0: Happy Friday, everyone. Welcome to our Conversations on Care, our Facebook talk show where we bring together our healthcare partners, our clients, their families, and caregivers to help our families better understand and cope with aging parents with chronic care needs. My name is Julie Collada, and I'm the proud founder and CEO of Open Arms Solutions. Open Arms is a home care agency serving the Chicagoland area focused on inspired home care solutions for seniors with chronic conditions such as dementia, movement disorders, and Parkinson's disease. It is our mission to help our families through this journey and to know that their loved one is absolutely living their best life possible. Please, if you find these dialogues helpful, uh, give us a like and a share. On Facebook, so this information can reach more people. And if you have a question or a topic you'd like to learn more about, we'd love to hear from you. So please write in the comments below or send us an email. With me today is Amy Cohn, the founder and CEO of Ace Senior Care Navigators. And I have a, a little bit of information on you, Amy, I'd love, love to share for our viewers. Amy is Uh, an occupational therapist, certified dementia practitioner, CMC, and owns and operates Ace Senior Care Navigators, a senior care advising and geriatric care management company based on the North Shore of Chicago. Amy received her master's of science in occupational therapy from the University of Illinois at Chicago. She has worked clinically across the senior care spectrum, including In acute care settings uic hospital at brookdale independent and assisted living communities in home health care amy managed the therapy programs at multiple sunrise senior living buildings including managing the therapy program for residents with dementia amy has also worked in client care management with home instead she is a certified care manager and certified dementia practitioner and currently serves on the board of Northwest Metro chapter of the Illinois Continuity of Care Association. And our topic today is preventing and managing hospital ER visits. Welcome, Amy.
1: Thank you so much, Julie. I'm grateful to be here.
0: I feel the same way. It's been great to get to know you a little bit before we've had this opportunity to talk online. And we are for sure gonna to get to know each other better afterwards so let's just start with what you have an amazing background <laughs> you've touched so many different levels of um, senior care and you have a wonderful you know occupational therapy clinical training for that is quite unusual for this uh, for, for other um, geriatric care managers I meant uh, meet and that's wonderful um, but what inspired you what led you here to start this company?
1: Yeah, this is a, this is a story that I've told quite often. It's fun to share. So, you know, like you said, I have a strong clinical background as an occupational therapist. Um, for, for a long time as I was coming into adulthood, I had OT on the horizon as a career path for me. Um, and throughout the years, I kind of saw ways in which, you know, OTs were just really making a difference in people's lives. Um, I gravitated towards working with older adults um, and, and you know wanted to explore a variety of settings. And through all these experiences, I was seeing consistently that older adults really needed more support, more global support, more emotional support, um, than was kind of able to be provided within the clinical setting. I mean, anyone who's, Worked in a clinical setting. Certainly, everyone listening has received care in some way in a clinical setting. You know, it's it's very siloed, um, and and because there's so many interacting pieces with seniors, in addition to the fact that you're dealing with cognitive changes, with challenging family dynamics, sometimes um, changes in independence. Uh, you know, we're dealing with a lot of chronic conditions, not just acute conditions. Um, There's much more comprehensive management needed. And I wasn't seeing that. Families were having questions, seniors were having questions, um, and I felt like I was spinning my wheels a little bit. So I started talking to everyone and anyone I could find in the senior care industry you know, what What do I do about this? I want to be part of the solution. And that's kind of how I wove my way into geriatric care management. Um, so I sought out mentorship in the field. Um, when I worked for Home Instead, I was in a position of client care management, which is, um, you know, really supporting, supporting the needs of clients who are receiving caregiving services. And I eventually wanted to put it all together. I couldn't find the job that I was looking for. Um, and I was talking with my husband about this. And he said, well, why don't you just make it yourself? Which, had never occurred to me prior. So I worked with a business consultant um, and started taking pro bono clients before, uh, you know I started taking paid clients and, and hit the ground running with ACE Senior Care Navigators.
0: It's a great story. I, <laughs> you shared it with me before we went on live and I, I love that story. Um, so let's let's get into the topic. Um, what From your experience, what are some of the most common causes for seniors to go to the hospital. it usually starts with the ER, right?
1: You're right. It it oftentimes starts with um, an emergency room visit or emergency department visit. Um, You know, a senior might have a planned admission if they're having a a surgical procedure or some other procedure that they know is gonna require time in the hospital afterwards. Um, But usually no one one plans to go to the hospital. Falls, especially a fall where a senior hits their head or is injured, Um, they often end up in the emergency department. Um, It could be another acute event such as a heart attack or a stroke, Um, pain, Sometimes seniors are just in a lot of pain and pain can be due to a variety of causes. Um, urinary tract infections are another reason seniors go to the emergency department. Um, I will say that very rarely do seniors come in knowing that they have a UTI. Um, and In younger adults, were, we're very well-versed with the symptoms of a UTI, You know, the, the frequency of urination, the pain or the burning. Um, with older adults, it tends to manifest as altered mental status and falls. So for an otherwise healthy adult, um, who's suddenly losing their balance, falling, um, or experiencing altered mental status, um, Mm -hmm. that's often the reason they go to the emergency room, as well as altered altered mental status in general, um, which can be due to other infections, other conditions. um, But as soon as someone notices something's not right with their senior, that's usually how they end up in the emergency department.
0: Yeah, absolutely right. Um, You mentioned falls, very common a yeah. uh, reason that uh, people in general, but seniors, uh, go to the hospital. Um, th- th- those are UTIs and those are absolutely um, reasons, but medication mismanagement uh, is, I know you know this, is, is often a reason that a senior ends up in the hospital. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Absolutely. So medication mismanagement um, can look like a a bunch of different factors. Um, It can look like a senior isn't taking their medication, either they're not taking it, period. Um, They might not be taking the correct amount. They might not be taking it at the correct time. Um, They could accidentally take too much of a medication. Um, a, a common reason that seniors may not be taking a medication, um, well, there's, there's lots of common reasons. Um, for seniors who have arthritis or peripheral neuropathy, yeah. it may be difficult for them to open containers, manage containers. Um, cognition is certainly part of it. You know, oftentimes seniors are on a lot of medications and they're taking them multiple times a day. Um, and if you have trouble remembering that, or maybe you're fatigued or in pain and you're taking a nap. During your medication time, um, and you don't necessarily remember when you wake up, or you think, "Hmm, I know I missed my medication time, but I'm not sure if I should take it later or if I should just skip it." But it's too much effort to call the doctor, wait on hold for 20 minutes, get the answer. Right? That's that's a lot, a lot of a process, um, and it can be yeah. fatiguing for seniors to manage. Um, and you know, if you think about, many medications are taken orally. Um, if seniors have any difficulty swallowing. Um, sure. You know that could be challenging um, for seniors who have difficulty getting up to go to the bathroom um, either they're in pain or they have incontinence challenges um, and they don't want to have an accident sometimes they avoid drinking water because they don't want to have to go to the bathroom so they say i don't want to drink that water with my medication um, if a senior takes insulin or any other medication that needs to be injected that's much more complicated to manage um, and if the senior doesn't have support with that sometimes that can be um, a factor and you know so there's Sometimes if a, if a senior skips a medication, right, it ends up not being a big of a deal. If you, if you miss a vitamin one day, likely nothing bad is gonna happen. Um, but sometimes, you know, for cardiac medications, for example, um, if you don't take your Lasix and then you get, you know, swelling and edema and you're short of breath, right, that can end you up in the hospital as well.
0: Absolutely. And I, and, and the other thing I'm sure you see a lot, because we, we see a lot, is that when people are discharged, when they have a hospital say, and then they get discharged home. There's usually a whole new med list or a revised med list and, a, yeah. and different procedures to follow. Um, and it's a lot to take in for anyone. Often, and if you have multiple chronic conditions now, and you're not, you know, you're managing five or more medications, and it's changed when you get home, you know, and you really don't have a support system in place for someone to help you, or, you know. <laughs> There are a lot of our clients that are incredibly proud people and don't necessarily, you know, I tell my staff, my team, I'm going to be the same way. I tell my husband, you know, you don't want to ask for help and um, I'm not advocating that you should ask for help, <laughs> but, but all, so all too often when people get home with a new, uh, dis, uh, new medications, those are challenging. Can you, can you talk about that a little bit with your experience? Absolutely. Um, So
1: I I think sometimes people think that just because they're on a medication or they have a condition that every doctor they could possibly see has access to that information. Um, But not all EMR stands for electronic medical record. It's when you're at the doctor's office and they're typing on the computer, that's what they're accessing. Um, Not all EMRs talk to each other. So particularly if your senior um, ends up going to an emergency department that isn't affiliated with the physicians that they typically see, um, it's gonna be less likely that the physicians have access to that information. Um, so it's really dependent on what what goes in, right? If your senior has an up-to-date medication list that's on them that their loved ones or their emergency contacts have, um, as well as a list of their conditions, they're gonna fare a lot better because then the physicians treating them in the emergency right. department are, are gonna have that accurate access. Um, I think it's important to keep in mind that the, the hospital, um, especially the emergency department, is just one part of our healthcare system. Um, a h- hospital, especially the emergency room, is not going to be the place to treat or manage chronic conditions. Um, their, their job is to get you stable enough that you can leave the hospital to go to the next level of care, wherever that
0: may be. And there's More and more of- that's the case okay. with the changes in right. Medicare. Right.
1: Right. You know, Medicare doesn't want to pay for people to be in the hospital one minute longer than they need to. Um, And so that's often why medications get changed is because the goal is just to stabilize the person. Um, And if if you came in because you had a fall, um, the fact that you have diabetes may play into that. Right, it may it may play into it because um, you're experiencing you know lightheadedness due to blood sugar changes, or maybe you have peripheral neuropathy, um, or maybe you knew you had to get your insulin on time and you were rushing to the fridge, but you can't feel your feet. You know, um, but but the hospital isn't going to provide comprehensive diabetes management in the emergency department. They're gonna check out that you're okay from that fall, address anything immediate from the fall, and then get you on to the next level of care. Um, and you're right, it's very, very confusing for seniors because one, it's it's stressful to be in the hospital, right? Any human, regardless of your age, is gonna have difficulty processing more complex information when we're under stress. Um, and oftentimes at discharge, right, what do they do? They hand you a folder and they say, here's all your information. Good luck. Um, exactly. you know, call this number for a follow-up, but they don't really give you more or, or support you in how to do that. Um, and that's something that, that I do a lot with clients when they're discharging from the hospital is how do you make sense of what has just happened? Um, not just logistically, how does that impact your care, but emotionally? How are you feeling about this? You know, And, and Julie, you mentioned that element of pride, right? How do we keep you feeling dignified? through this process because you, you are a human with feelings and thoughts and you, you deserve respect and dignity no matter what your situation is. Um, and, and how do we do that? Especially when it's kind of an urgent situation that you really do need support with managing.
0: Yeah, thank you for saying that. Uh, I completely agree with you, Amy. Um, so let's talk a little bit about what it, what's the journey like if, if, if and when someone and a senior ends up in the ED. What, what, what are they seeing and feeling? What's that like?
1: Absolutely. Um, so however they get to the emergency department, whether that's by an ambulance or a private vehicle, um, they're going to be triaged, which refers to the process of assessing how urgent their needs are. Um, someone with a heart attack, right? someone who's who's coding, who's in the active process of, of losing brain and heart function, um, they're going to be number one on the list. If your senior has a broken hip, obviously that's important and needs to be taken care of. Um, but if you're not being seen right away, that's why. It's because something more urgent is going on. I always tell my clients that if you have to wait in the emergency department, that's a really good sign because it means you're not the sickest one there. Um, yeah. You know, and and oftentimes seniors complain about, about that, right? I get it. it's not it's not fun to wait. You're in pain. You're hungry. You're bored, right? There's there's it's not it's not fun. Um, but if you have to wait. You're generally
0: healthier than that's a great perspective to give people. Amy. That's really great. Um, and you're it's sure, a,
1: yeah, right. Um, and, and you're going to see a variety of um, personnel in the emergency department. You're going to see nurses of varying levels, you're going to see physicians of varying levels. Um, and know that this, this triage is going in all the time, right? If you have five patients that are all having lab work done. Right, and they all come back at the same time, and one of them is very urgent, that's gonna be the patient that they're addressing first. And so if they haven't come back to you with your lab results in an hour, it probably means that you're okay. Um, or that there's nothing urgent that needs to be addressed, um, but they're they're going to do an assessment um, for your chief complaint, which is essentially why did you come to the emergency department? Um, and from there, they're going to help determine your disposition, which is where do you go? Um, typical dispositions would be you need to be admitted. Um, either you need more more intensive, longer term, um, whether that's you know a couple of days or a couple of weeks, more care in the hospital. Um, if you're ready to go home, right? Sometimes you may need more support going home, but you may not have any um, urgent medical needs that need to be addressed outside of the emergency department. Um, so you're gonna go home. Sometimes you may be appropriate for um, rehab. Maybe they've, they've kind of done everything they can do in the hospital, um, but you're not quite ready to go home. So you, you may be going to subacute rehab um, and there's some more complications with that in terms of how Medicare pays for it. Um, but I would say those are kind of the common dispositions from the emergency department.
0: Great. Um, I'm sure helpful information for everybody here to hear. Um, so how do you, you've said a lot of things, but what, What? how does a, how does a family or a senior, you never think you're going to the hospital, right? right. Nobody wants to think about an accident's going to happen, or they're going to end up in the ED or, you know, but that's life and it's, and so how, how can you, what advice can you give for families and individuals to best prepare for that visit?
1: Absolutely, you know, even even our best laid plans, even a senior who takes as best of care of themselves as they can and who has a great support system. I mean, there's, there's things that happen. Um, I think talking about it with seniors is really important. Like, right, we, we, we wanna normalize this, right? You know, mom, dad, whoever your loved one is, you may need the hospital at some point. You may need to go to the emergency room, and I want you to know that we're we're here to support you and we're here to advocate for you. Um, I always kind of jumping off of what we were talking about before. You know, having your medication list prepared. Um, There's seven items that I always advise um, my clients to have prepared. So I'm going to talk about what those items are and then how you should have them prepared. Um, the first four- is. Yeah. Um, The first is a list of emergency contacts. So who who do you want contacted um, to notify of what's going on with your senior? If they're not already notified, um, as well as if your senior isn't able to speak for themselves, who should be notified Um, a list of their health conditions? Uh, kind of what are they dealing with health-wise. If they have any allergies, particularly particularly any allergies to medications or food, um, you want to have those listed. If they have power of attorneys, so this would be a power of attorney for healthcare or finances, you want to have who that is, um, their contact information, as well as also a legal copy of that POA document, because some sometimes a hospital will require that, you know, to prove that that you can they can speak to this person. Um, A list of the seniors medications. You want to include what the medications are, what the dose is, um, when during the day they take them, um, as well as the route, right? Is it something they take orally? Is it an injection? Is it an ointment? Whatever, however they take the medication. Mm -hmm. You want to have a list of their physicians, who their doctors are that they typically see, um, Mm -hmm. as well as any advanced directives. This would be if they have a DNR, a do not resuscitate order, um, a living will, anything that they have prepared in advance um, that specifies how they want to be treated um, in the event that their medical situation is is likely to um, lead to their passing, right? How do do you want that to be handled? Um, so once you have all those things gathered, there's a couple things you should do with them. You should have a red folder in your home. Um, you can pick up a red folder at at any office supply store at target um, and put it in an obvious place some clients have it you know on a magnet in a little bag on the fridge some clients have it near the front door Um, but someplace where if if the paramedics come into your house they would reasonably look and reasonably see where all this information is Um, you also want to have digital copies with all of your clients providers Um, so again not all the emrs talk to each other but if the hospital can reach one doctor who says uploaded into this client's chart. I have all this information that's going to go a long way. All of the emergency contacts should have digital or hard copies. Um, again, some families like to you know, make a Google Doc that's password protected. Um, some families like to have it printed out however your emergency contacts like to have it. Um, And I also recommend setting up a smart 911 profile, which if you haven't done this, it's easy to do. The website is smart911.com. And you can upload any personal information that you want about yourself. You're not obligated to share anything that you're not comfortable with privacy wise, um, but you can put your name, you can upload health conditions, you can upload medications, um, basically all the things I just said. um, And that is something that um, first responders, so police. Fire um, hospital have access to in the event of a 911 call. Um, you can also link profiles. So if you have a senior who has um, an adult child who's nearby and is kind of their point of contact, you can link those profiles so that if 911 is called from that senior's house, the paramedics can see, oh, this is the client's you know child and they live nearby. Um, you know we should give her a call. Um, so those are the ways that I I recommend you be as prepared as possible. Um, you know and, and again just talking with your senior normalizing that experience um and kind of figuring out if if this loved one if this senior needs to go to the hospital who's who's next on call to help manage this until we can kind of get things settled um this is especially important if if you don't um if your senior doesn't have anyone that lives
0: nearby uh it's a great those are it's great advice for everyone and for those of us that are in health care we know the you know it's I mean, the, the great news is is that people are really well-intentioned. The challenging part is that, as you, de- as you described, healthcare, you know, the EMR, don't talk to each other, and there's just a lot of parts and pieces to the healthcare system. So the more you can be prepared and advocate and control your information for with your senior, Uh, the better the outcome's going to be. So that's I really think that's wonderful advice, Amy. Um, So let's talk a little bit about, uh, we just talked about, you know, why advocacy is important. How do you prepare for a hospital visit? Um, Let's talk a little bit, well, we really didn't talk about advocacy as much, did we? Let's talk about that. And what, and what does, when someone's in the hospital, what might advocacy really look like?
1: That's, that's a great question. Um, Some seniors are in a place to advocate for themselves, but even, even a senior who's otherwise healthy um, when they enter, enter the hospital, I mean, the hospital is, unless you've worked in a hospital, which some seniors have. Um, you know, it's a very different model of care than seniors are used to. And when you, kind of like we talked about before, that that goal is to get you out of the hospital and to the next level of care, that's what the team is focusing on in the hospital. Um, you know, no, no one goes to the hospital because they have a little bump or a bruise. All, all the staff there is dealing with with very sick and very injured people. Um, right. And and humans are humans. And and even those healthcare providers, you know, we saw this a lot during the pandemic, right? The, the doctors the nurses are our our heroes. We also saw the stress that the hospital staff are under. Um, The pandemic certainly hasn't helped that. Um, And so when you kind of put that all into a senior situation where they're going to need more compassion and they're going to need someone to spend more time with them, they may need things explained in a different way. Um, And there may be a situation where they're not really understanding what is happening through through no fault of anyone. It just it just may be a very complex situation. Um, and you may have a senior with dementia or other cognitive changes, whether those were present prior to their hospital visit or they're, you know, due to the reason that they're in the hospital, if they have a UTI, for example. Um, and and so then you then you have a senior who is confused, who is scared, um, who isn't sure what's going on who's going to be asking the questions? Who's going to say, you know, just want to make sure that we're following up on this correctly. And what do we do about this? And my senior is in pain, or my senior is saying that this isn't going well. Um, you know, I mean, hospital hospital staff, physicians, nurses, therapists, tech, techs, I mean, they do an incredible job. Um, but that, that experience for the senior, there's that emotional piece, which often it's it's just not the setting where that emotional piece is, is likely to be met because of the nature of how the hospital works and the hospital's role in the healthcare system. Yeah. Um, so if your senior, you know, either due to the pandemic or geography doesn't have someone who's physically present with them in the hospital, it's really important to have someone who is available by phone to make the hospital staff aware, you know, please call the senior's child or neighbor or whoever, whoever it may be. Um, because having, having that person to ask questions, to be the squeaky wheel for your senior is so important, not just for their care, but also for their emotional and psychological
0: well being. Great, great advice. Uh, so let's touch on ha- the cost of hospitals. Uh, it's, not a, it's not a pleasant subject oh at all. Boy. But it's there's so some important things that people need to think about when they're being admitted or when they get to the ED. And you know, and what are you know how they're going to pay for the services? So I know you have some thoughts there.
1: Oh my gosh, do do I have a lot of thoughts as we all do about what healthcare costs in America? Um, I'm going to talk just about traditional Medicare, acknowledging that seniors may have traditional Medicare with a supplemental plan. Um, they may be Medicaid beneficiaries. They may have, um, you know. A Medicare Advantage plan, Medicare Part C. I'm going to talk for the sake of simplicity just about traditional Medicare. Um, something that seniors and families don't often know until until they get to the hospital is there's basically two statuses in the hospital, and your, and your care can actually look really similar. Um, one is observation. This is intended, intended um, for clients who need to stay less than two midnights for patients who you know, aren't going to need extensive care. Um, But this isn't a perfect system because sometimes people might need, you know, intense care that's provided in a shorter amount of time. Um, Or sometimes people, things may happen that no one anticipated that, you know, we're just medical things that happen that require a longer stay. Um, If you're under observation in the hospital, this is billed under Medicare Part B, which means that Medicare pays 80% and you pay 20%. If you have Medicare with a supplemental plan, that plan will typically cover some, if not all, of the remaining 20%. Um, Admission is where you have that deductible. This year it was $1,556 per benefit period. Uh, Benefit period is when you haven't accessed care within 90 days. And that goes for up to 60 days in the hospital. If you're in there longer, then you you have another copay to pay. Um, But the tricky part about this is that your admission and versus observation status may not be decided immediately. Um, they're required to notify you within 24 hours, but what happens within that 24 hour period? Your senior may be receiving care and, and racking up these bills under observational care that you weren't prepared for. Um, you know, And I, I would certainly never want someone to be in the position of saying, well, I'm gonna elect not to have this care because I either can't or don't want to pay for it. Um, but But that's how seniors kind of, end up with these bills that they may not have, um, expected. So again, with this advocacy, it's important to really ask for, you know, what is my status? Is it observation? Is it admission? Um, why is it one? And sometimes it changes. So it's important to keep asking that question. Um, and again, this is, this is Medicare trying to save money. Medicare doesn't want to pay for unnecessary admissions. Um, so the cost gets passed to the consumer.
0: Yep. It's, um, it's, It's not, you know, we hear people talking about it all the time, that they're just, were shocked. They thought Medicare was gonna be paying for that stay and they didn't realize the status of their, you know, the status they were on, and they were in observation, not admitted. So really important for for people to understand that. Um, So let's talk a little bit about you and uh, your company. Um, So you're, as a geriatric care manager, how do you how do people pay for your services
1: absolutely that's a great question and something i talk about with all my clients um my geriatric care management services or the services of an aging life care professional are a private pay advocacy um, and support and coordination service i wish i wish medicare and medicaid and all insurance plans covered it because Right. Our goal is to save you money. We don't. We don't want you um, to have an exacerbation of medical conditions that would cost more, um, or to be paying for care in a way that isn't, you know, maximally beneficial to you. Um, I. I always work with families. You know, sometimes if families say I have a certain budget, I'll say let's let's prioritize your goals within that. Um, many care managers, myself included, will work on a sliding scale for Medicaid beneficiaries. Um, if seniors have long-term care insurance, um, there may be a care management benefit within that. Sometimes it's called um, care advisory services, something like that. Uh, but it's essentially a separate pot of money that families can use to pay for outside care management services. Um, but, you know, I, I always talk with families and and also really sharing the value, right? What, you know, you're paying for these services, but what is the value to you? I, I want to present a quality product and a quality service. Um, and, you know, so I, again, my, my goal is to help families and um, I'll always discuss families uh, budget, with
0: budgetary concerns. Appreciate that very much. Thank you. Um, well, there's so many other things I want to ask you and talk to you about, but we're out of time. So um, for everybody that's watching, you can see if you have questions uh, for Amy, her contact information is in the is in the chat. Please reach out to her. Um, I'm sure she'd be happy to talk with you about any questions that you have. This is great conversation, Amy, an important topic. You obviously have an incredible amount of expertise in this area and can be an incredible help and advocate for family. So thanks for spending this time and sharing uh, your knowledge. It's it's been great.
1: Thank you, Julie. I really uh, appreciate you and your team for welcoming me here today. Um, And for everyone watching and listening, I hope it was helpful. Um, And please don't hesitate to reach out uh, with other questions or if you need more support with your senior.
0: Thank you so much, Amy.
1: Thanks, Julie. Bye bye.
0: Bye bye.